94th episode of Popcorn Optional, a weekly movies podcast. And tonight we are pulling a time travel. We're repeating ourselves. I don't know. We're traveling back to last week and doing the exact same thing we did because we're reviewing. It's a time heist. It's a time heist. Sorry. It's a time time heist. Time heist, time heist, time heist. heist. Uh, we're pulling a time heist, and we're reviewing Avengers Endgame again because we felt like our hour and some change review last week didn't cover everything that we quite wanted to cover because this movie's three hours, and we probably need three hours to talk about it. So we're going to review it again. <laughs> we were st- we were in shock. I think we were still in shock. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Much more measured response to the second viewing for me. Yeah, and I will say, <laughs> I had a much different experience not only like viewing it wise but also i had one of the worst theater going experiences i've ever had so that was fun can't wait to hear about it but before we get to that we are going to do our summer box office draft this is something that we did last year and what it entails is each of us are going to draft five movies and it's pretty simple whose film makes the most domestically we're not going to count international but from May, starting this weekend, which I guess will technically be the weekend of May 10th to Labor Day, whose films make the most in that time? Pretty simple. And we'll do it snake order. And so Jake has the third pick, Trevor has the second pick, I have the first pick. Looking at the movies this summer, it's really weird because we made a joke right before we started about uh, having to make a rap of all the summer box office movies. The sun is also a star, and I am really far from home. Oof. My name is Spider-Man. <laughs> a box office rap. Summer box office rap. So that's what the loser has to do this year. The loser has to do a summer box office rap. <laughs> there you go. I, g- I gave you the opening line. Yep. There, on, well, okay, we'll get into this. There is one movie that isn't based off of something, or two movies on my top 15 that aren't based off of either something that's happened or a sequel and that's sad (laughs) i have zero on my top 15 list that are not an adaptation or a sequel prequel or reboot yikes yeah uh same and i think that's going to lead to an interesting discussion later when we talk about end game of like the future of hollywood because man the box office this year is just non non-stop like not original ip and even looking ahead like this got me to look forward into the year because i was i pulled up a calendar for the rest of the year of you know future box office and as i was starting to go through i'm like okay well now that we're done with summer what do we get in the fall and the fall is not that impressive either (laughs) it seems like everybody was just Uh, like oh wait endgame comes out in 2019 yeah we're gonna sit this one out we're good never mind yeah they're like in-game Spider-Man and Star Wars. Wait, and all of the Disney remakes? Oh my gosh. We'll just we'll just take a year. We're just going to sit yeah, this one out. We also we also have the whole um festival circuit crowd that don't have the release dates yet too. Like what True. gets the buzz, what gets bought, what gets pushed right. for Oscars. We, we we never know those things until a month or two ahead of time. But even some of those, it's like you start hearing about them. I mean, Kansas is about to start happening, and there's hype. I mean, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is going to premiere at Cannes, and that comes out this summer. It's it's pronounced Cannes. Cannes? I say Cannes. 
You have to be a uh, French pretentious person to Mi say pardon it properly. Mi senor, mi Jake, you <laughs> kind pardon. of sound like Quentin Tarantino doing a French accent. Bonjour. That's <laughs> yeah. Quentin Tarantino doing a French accent is the Brad Pitt in Glorious Bastards. <laughs> Do you remember yeah. when he tried to do like a <laughs> some sort of accent in Django and then just lost it halfway through the character and was like, oh, okay, whatever. I'm just, I got an American accent now. <laughs> Which is the most like Tarantino thing I could possibly think of. Not like the blood or racist type things or use of rap in settings that don't normally have rap. It's the not giving a single care about having an accent in one scene and then the other scene being like, oh, fine, it's whatever, it's film. Let's 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 kick off the draft. We're each gonna get five pick. It's a snake draft, so for those of you that don't know what that means, I'll go first, Trevor will go second, and then Jake will go and he'll tag he'll have two picks, and then I'll go back to Trevor, and then I'll have two picks, and you kind of snake around until we all have five picks. So uh, I'll kick it off. And this is a hard one for me. There are there are two films battling at the top, and I think it's just me weighing out in my head which one I think audiences will be more nostalgic for. I, I'm going to go with, I'm, I'm going to regret this, but I'm going to go with <laughs> Lion King. Oh, Whoa. that was my number one too. Okay. Okay. Wow. Okay. I, 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 as I sit here now, I'm nervous about that pick because all it takes is one review that says, Hey, it's the exact same as the animated movie and it's going to tank. I don't think that matters. The bad Beauty and the Beast from a couple years ago made a billion dollars. Sheesh, are you serious? Did it really? Well, what did it make domestically? Uh, I don't know what it made domestically. Because we have to clarify, this is right. domestic box yes. office. Not international. I'll look it up. Uh, Trevor, what is your pick? Um, I'm going to go... I, I think I think we're. I'm going to ride the wave, and I'm going to do Spider-Man Far From Home. Whoa! Mm, good choice. You are serious, my dude. No, I did not see that coming. That's what I was gonna pick. It wasn't really. Yeah, dude. Okay, Marvel is gonna, just killing. There's it. gonna be a huge post-in-game wave. Okay, so take a guess. Yep. Take a guess at what Beauty and the Beast made domestically. Two twenty-five. Three hundred. Five hundred million. Oh. Yeah, and wow, Lion King is and Lion King is maybe the one thing that's more popular than Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, Jake, I'm very envious pick, of your pick because you're about to get two just solid. Yeah, I think uh, I think these two are kind of obvious. So I'm gonna go Hobbs and Shaw and Toy Story Four. And you did it! What a man! What a mensch! That's a that's a great pick. Toy Story Four was like going into this was what I had as my number two, and Hobbs and Shaw was my number three. I can't believe that was your number three, Cameron. Hobbs and Shaw. You love it so much. Look, I you, you chose your head, not your heart. Respect. Look, I respect. Hobbs, that. Way to be a good like manager on draft day. Way to Fast and the Furious does not do great domestically. It does good, but it doesn't do as great as people think it does. It kills overseas, but domestically, it's kind of you know mid twos, maybe hits a three. Yeah, and I think Lion King has a chance to on hit this list a five is or six. Do a lot better. Yeah, that's true. All right, Trevor, your number two pick. Have me shaken here. I don't know. This this is the time where I'm not sure this is a good pick or not. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Secret Life of Pets 2. Gosh darn good it, choice. Trevor. Are you kidding good choice. me? 
I didn't realize until I was doing some research for this that the first one made $800 million. Yeah. Trevor, you are literally taking my dream lineup. Yes. That was Spider-Man and Secret Life of Pets was my dream lineup. Look, last year, you guys laughed at me for taking Hotel Transylvania 3, and that film ended up making Dude. $200 million domestically. Kids movies kill. Yeah, that... I, the the trailers alone make me want to destroy all copies of this film. <laughs> so, oh, I hate them. So here's the thing. We've picked the five films that, at least for me, I felt like those are the five safe films. Those are films that we all know are going to make pretty safe money. This is the part in the draft where, to me, it's like there's a lot more, there's a lot more gambles here. You know, do you, do you gamble on a Detective Pikachu and think like, okay, is that still relevant? Are people still going to want to see that? I, I'll say for my first pick of my snake, I'm going to stick on the Disney remake train and go on with Aladdin. That was next on my board. Man, Cameron, you're just doubling down on the Disney train. I am. Uh, I'm going to ride that those coattails of uh, of Disney, and I'll uh, I'll send my winnings to Mr. Iger. At the end of the summer, it's a pretty good place to invest your money. All right of now. your we'll talk about that. All later. of your money is going to Bob Iger anyway, so you might yes. as well just mail it to him directly. Yes, we should mention well. that this draft isn't just for you know, isn't just for giggles. We, at the winner at the end of this gets to pick a film that the other two have to watch, which you can use for torture and make them watch garbage, <laughs> or you can use to be like, "Hey, this is a fun film that everybody should check out. Go watch this." Cameron so was very is... kind to us last year, and we enjoyed set it set it up. It was a delight. Which, uh, by the way, I have to do my review sometime soon of a terrible movie that I just watched because of our Oscar bet, Holmes and Watson. Oh and gosh, dear lord, dear lord, this is this is a movie. That's just get ready, y'all. Get ready. <laughs> how, like, just give me like a scale, like one to ten. How bad is it? Negative ten. <laughs> <laughs> Is it so bad that it's funny to watch or is it just like bad, no. bad? I literally didn't even smile once. <laughs> nope. Yep. That's yep. Yep. Full review coming soon. Okay. Get excited. Okay. This is a hard one. I, I, I'm between, I'll, I'll talk it out a little bit. I'm between two films. I'm between Godzilla King of Monsters and I'm between X-Men Dark Phoenix. It, the thing that I keep weighing out in my head is like, does Dark Phoenix, because it's technically the last of the X-Men films, do, does that interest people more in wanting to go see it? Or are people like, man, Apocalypse was such hot garbage that it ends up drawing. Well, like, and that Phoenix up, was going. such hot garbage that they basically redid it, apparently. Yeah. I am going to go for a curveball here and say Detective Pikachu. Ooh, oh, that was going to be my nice pick. pick. I, think, I think that's going to bring in the money. Okay. It has good reviews. Like it has pretty good reviews. Yeah. It's 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 definitely an, a wild card though because you it's so much of it is like are people actually interested in this IP? It's also stuff? it's also the other problem is is we the people that are our age aren't quite old enough to take their kids to it. Mm-hmm. Like it's not mm-hmm. like the people that grew up That's with Pokémon are not quite old enough to take their kids to it in giant numbers. Right. That's a very good point, Trevor. Very good. Point. All right, it is my turn. I'm gonna go with what a film that's aimed right at the soul of this category, and that's Godzilla: King of Monsters. Just give me something huge Boom. and blow stuff up and destroy it, and go to the movies in the summertime. And that film has done so much marketing that it's like I don't know anybody that hasn't seen 
some sort of advertisement for that. It's everywhere. And so maybe maybe those advertising dollars come in handy and they get you Dude, they've had they've had trailers out for that movie since like f- January. Yeah. Strangely beautiful. Yeah, the visuals look amazing. I'm I was a big fan. I liked the first one. I know that we've texted and you guys have different opinions, but you know, you get Millie Bobby Brown, you get all these different monsters. I think that could be a winner. I'm already regretting Detective Pikachu over Godzilla King of Monsters. <laughs> well, if you had picked Godzilla, I had, I was going to pick Pikachu, so Well, then I'm happy I took Pikachu. Pick, yeah. No, you're good. You're good. All right, Jake, so. snake us around. Uh, okay, so I get two picks, you get two right? Picks. Okay, okay. Looking at the list, the like you said, the the winners, like the 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 big hitters are definitely gone. So I think I'm going to go with Rocket Man Ooh. and John Wick 3. Ooh. See, I, I wasn't sure what to do with John Wick 3 because I don't know. I know that the reputation is good, but I don't know what the if the broad appeal is there. Yeah, they haven't. They're more like indie or not. Um, they're not indie whatsoever, but they make more indie money. But it's. I feel like they've like so they've doubled every time. So like, or they yeah, there's there's so definitely f- like a it, it's got this kind of new life with its reputation. Yeah. That's an interesting pick. That's an interesting pick. And Rocket Man's one of those things that well, Bohemian Rhapsody did great, so maybe there is a huge market for that kind of yeah. film. I feel like it'll do at least two hundred easily. Yeah, and it actually looks good. So it looks better than Bohemian Rhapsody where Rami Malek won best actor shoot me in the face. So <laughs> I, oh, I can't cause you watched it, Trevor, right? You've I did. Seen I've seen it. I've also it's seen, terrible. I've also seen green book. Just watched it this weekend. Should not have won best picture, but Vigo Mortensen was a million times better in green book than Rami Malek was in Bohemian Rhapsody. So Whatever that's cool. Cool, cool, cool. Which is cool, not a surprise cool. to anyone. <laughs> I'm gonna pick is this the fourth round? Is that right? This is a fourth round, yeah. Um I am gonna go with a little bit. I think we're gonna get some nostalgia. I think we're gonna get a bit of a revival, and I think we're gonna ride two upcoming slash huge stars, and I'm gonna go with Men in Black International. Nice. People love Hemsworth. Tessa Thompson is is here to stay, you guys. She's a big time star. Yeah, she is. And I think that movie locks it down as she's the real deal. And especially both of them coming off of Endgame, I think people see that and they're like, hey, that that worked pretty well there. Probably worked pretty well here. Okay. So I'm going to snake. My fourth pick is going to be X-Men Dark Phoenix. There hasn't been a comedy. That's the one thing that's like missing from all of our lists is there's not that like summer comedy that does well, great. Like, I feel like the long shot could have been the summer comedy, but for some reason they backed it right up to Endgame. Like yeah. they should have waited and they should have waited until like June, July third. I think they tried yeah. to go There's counter programming on it, but it was you can't counter program the biggest movie of no. all time. Yeah. No. Or do July 12th or something. Like there's a little window in July where you could have snuck that one in or even in August. Like there's not much coming out in August. But there's that Stuber. Was a stupid decision. <clears throat> or with uh Kumail Nanjiani and um Oh, what's the guy? Oh, who's Drax? Dave, Dave Bautista. Bautista. I am, there's Booksmart. I'm all in on that. 
You're all in on that? Oh yeah, those two guys are hilarious. Um, There's Booksmart, which is the Olivia Wilde directed movie that looks hysterical. And that does look the, good. That looks like a super bad for like the modern female generation. Right. I'm gonna take Brightburn. Oh, a James Gunn uh, produced Superman esque film. Where did, be, when does that come out? It comes out June. Comes out oh May 24th. Up against Aladdin and Brightburn. Oh no! Oh. I don't want. I don't want Brightburn. Can I switch? I'm counter-programming against myself. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you switch. I'll let okay. you switch. Um, but I swear to God, if you take my choice, Cameron. Jake, I have, an, I have an idea of what your choice is, and I'm... The sun is also a star? Yeah, yes. That's right. Is that... <laughs> no, I was going to say no. that it was going to be Shaft. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Um, you know what? I am going to go Stuber. All right, Trevor, your last pick. This was this was when it really got into the murky area for me. I kind of have three movies that I have no interest in seeing that I'm trying <laughs> to gauge on what the people want. And I think I'm going to go with Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Whoa, I did Whoa. not see that coming. <laughs> I don't don't love that. Wow, Trevor, that's yeah, a okay. that's a that film could pay off buku bucks. We'll for see, you. we'll see. Or it could be a ten million dollar film. Yeah, it's a it's a, a low floor, high ceiling pick. Yeah, but we'll see. Man, all right, that just like broke my brain. <laughs> Was not expecting that at all. Was not expecting it. Jake, can I take a guess at what your pick was? Is this my last pick? This is. Okay. Yeah, you can guess what it is. Is it Child's Play? No, it is not. That's what that's I the almost... same week as Toy Story 4, and that would be going against myself. Okay. I think that I am going to take a big swing and maybe take a really big miss, but it <laughs> could really pay off because none of us have chosen anything in august except for the first weekend which was my choice hobbs and shaw so i'm gonna choose angry birds 2 <laughs> i did not even have that on my list august 14th on a wednesday so it's gonna have that whole week it's summer kids movie not a lot of kids movies coming out this summer it looks like so i think that there's there's a chance for some some moms that are desperate to get their kids out of the house situation. So nobody chose Tarantino. Interesting. They just don't make big money anymore. Interesting. Glorious Bastards was his last one to make big money, right? Um, there is something else. Like I, I think that Django did decent. Hateful Eight was not designed to make money. Hateful Eight, no. I think. Yeah, Django made one sixty two. I think Hateful Eight made. Ooh, I think 54. Yeah, 54 million. And Glorious Yeesh. did 120. Wow. Yeah, his films don't make big dollars. Yeah. You know, there's some other interesting things like 21 Bridges, which could be garbage, but yeah, somehow those movies make money. That that might be, that's kind of a sleeper hit to me. I thought about putting that on my list. 
All right, so just to repeat, I have Lion King, Aladdin, Detective Pikachu, X-Men, and Dark Phoenix, Dark Phoenix and Stuber. Trevor has Spider-Man Far From Home, The Secret Life of Pets 2, Godzilla King of Monsters, Men in Black International, and Dora and the Lost City of Gold. And Jake has Fast and the Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw, Toy Story 4, Rocketman, John Wick 3, and Angry Birds 2. So one original film in that entire mix. Guys, this Man, is going to come down to Dora. Sad. This is going to come down to Dora. <laughs> Man. Trevor, I'll make a side bet with you that Stuber <laughs> makes more money than Dora and the Lost City of Gold, or I'll watch Holmes and Watson. <laughs> oh, hold on, Cameron. Yeah. I don't think you know what you're putting on the table. Wait. Well, the say, loser of that bet has to watch Holmes and Watson. I don't, I don't think oh, I want to do that. Guys. Guys, you would rather have the bomb up your butt. Let me tell you, <laughs> it's. <laughs> let me clarify. Okay, so the bomb is an incredibly hot hot sauce from this YouTube show called Hot Ones. I don't think I'm explaining it helps. You stick a bomb <laughs> up your butt. I just want to clarify that. It's not like a lot better. No, but. Uh, let's talk Trevor, about you game. take that bet. No, I'm not going to take that bet. Oh. Smart man, Trevor. That's a man that picks Dora and the Lost City of Gold right there. (laughs) Smart man. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll do monthly check-ins as we go throughout the summer just to kind of give you guys an idea of who's kind of winning, losing. You know the spiel. But let's get into our second review of Avengers Endgame because we just can't get enough of Marvel. We are... You know, just Marvel geeks and nerds and whatever you want to call it. People paid by Marvel to positively review their film. But I wish. What was your guys' second viewing experience like? I mean, it's this is the first time that we've reviewed a movie twice on the podcast. So I feel like if you want to know our general thoughts, just go listen to our last episode. We did the last episode as a we almost broke the film down as section by section. You know, we started with the first act then we went to the second act and the third and we kind of gave our thoughts as we went but i think this time around we have a more holistic approach to the movie as a whole you know its faults its strengths uh what it could have done better and then you know kind of i want to look at where this leaves hollywood as a whole so second viewing experience was it better worse for you guys for me it was a lot more enjoyable because I, I, I think our our first episode review was like first reactions because this movie is so dense. It's three hours long. It's tying up the character arcs of like 15 different people shall like tying up movies, setting up movies. There's so much happening and so much like that you're expecting that it's, it's coming at you so fast and you can't take it all in. So that was like first reactions. Having seen it on a second it's like second time I felt like I could kind of relax a little bit. I knew the big plot points, so I was more focusing on like specific details, trying to focus more on like the setup of the spoilers. We are in spoilers, spoilers, uh setting up of like the time travel and um how how they were dealing with all of that and the different timelines. And I found it a lot a lot more enjoyable on the second viewing experience. This movie feels like it was made to be watched at least twice to be fully understood. I also had my first experience in a Dolby Atmos and vision theater at an AMC kind of close to our house. And I will be exclusively going to that theater from now on if I can, because it was incredible. The first time I saw it, 
I felt like the sound wasn't great, especially in the first like 45 minutes of the film where it's more smaller, intimate moments. And I saw it with you, Cameron. I don't know if you agree, but I felt like the sound wasn't loud enough or wasn't clear enough. Yeah, seeing it in the, 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 yeah, seeing it in the Dolby theater was incredible. I'm, I'm going to see every movie I can there. Um, so yeah, second, second experience was a lot better for me. Trevor, how was it for you? Okay. So I watched it, um, second time in IMAX 3d, um, mostly Ooh. because it was the best time that worked for me to see it again. And it's three hours long. So you really have to schedule this out. I wanted to see it in IMAX cause it was shot completely on IMAX cameras. So I, I don't love 3d. It was, it was ultimately worth it though. I got the better sound experience. Um, the, the 3D was mostly pretty good. It just kind of added an extra depth to things. They didn't try to use it really gimmicky where stuff is flying out of your face. It wasn't a movie made for 3D. But yeah, I, I'm the same way, Jake. I was able to focus on the smaller things. I was able to catch things like Thor wearing Crocs when they're in Asgard. <laughs> with I didn't catch that the first time. Um, just like that kind of stuff. And, and really able to kind of focus in on things. Like I was able to really pay attention to and focus in on kind of the Bruce Banner Hulk kind of thing where in this, in the first time you're just kind of, you're just kind of figuring out like what he's Bruce Banner and the Hulk at the same time. But this you kind of really can, can focus in on. And that's just an example. But, um, I definitely, I don't, I didn't enjoy it more or less. I think it's still great. Still fantastic. Still loved it. Um, Cap getting Mjolnir is still awesome. Like it's not going to get uh, less cool. Um, incredible. And, and yeah, it was just, um, the one, the one thing that was a little bit of a letdown was there weren't people cheering awesome moments. Like there were when I saw it the night that it came out, which was, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of a fun way to see a movie, but it's also nice to kind of take it in in a different way. Um, so yeah, still great. Um, I really did not, I, I kind of expected to find some, some more flaws in it than I did, but it's just, it's just so good all the way around. Most importantly, did you see Howard the Duck? I did see Howard the Duck. I was going to mention that also. So did I. I was able to just, there's, it's very fast. It's but, like two frames. But I was able to catch a glimpse of Howard. You can see him because he's white against a kind of a really dark background. I had a very poor second screening. Uh, the people that I ended up sitting next to talked the entire movie. Multiple oh people gosh. around me complained about them, and the staff How do did nothing. Still do that about it. Uh, the woman constantly screamed things out at the screen, and like she'd get scared and just be like, "Oh shoot!" And then her husband would be like, "Honey, that's Thor. You oh, remember Thor? Gosh. Yeah, Thor. Uh huh. I hate them. I hate them so much. Oh and then God. she would scream." at her husband or something like i love thor trust me he's super hot literally something that she said in the, the screening and then fat thor in this she, one he's not she was thor. into it oh, no, not that thor but like opening of the movie thor she was very into um Ugh. she cat called multiple times at him at the beginning of the movie and i i was like okay this is gonna die down this is gonna die down and then it's gonna be fine okay cool and then we get to the end of the movie and it's been on and off. And as I'm sitting there and this is a couple that's probably in their like late thirties, you know, just too old to be doing this. <laughs> no, just, I don't know how to describe them other than very Texan. <laughs> and okay. 
Right. We get to the end of the movie. The big battle's happening. The little battle goes on between Iron Man and Thanos. And then, you know, Tony has all the stones. And he goes, and I am. And the guy goes, Iron Man. And, like, says it in this, like, really hard inflection. And multiple people around me go, dude, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> like, he completely, we, you, I could not hear Tony Stark say that line because that dude said it. Wow. Oh, man. This is the kind of that, people that, like, you watch a movie at their house and then you unfriend them. Like, after you see what the experience is like, because... Or it's, like, this is the type of movie that, like, you'd go see with somebody, like, and you, it's, like, the first time seeing a movie with a friend, and then you see it with them, and you're, like, we are no longer allowed to be friends with those people. Man. Did you get your money back? I would have been, like, listen no. here. I'm gonna talk to a manager, and I'm gonna put my talk to a manager wig on, because I have no hair, <laughs> and I'm gonna complain about it. No, because I'm... I'm the person who could find everything wrong with my food at a restaurant and still be like when the waiter comes in, it's like, how is that? I'd be like, it's great. Thank you so much. I just, <laughs> I'm dying I over here picturing Jake with the manager special. <laughs> <laughs> the glasses uh, pulled down and everything, the phone out to film ready to like catch it and put it on YouTube. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm Becky and I'm ready. Let's go. You are violating my rights as a citizen. Uh, no, other than that, like, I had a great time with the movie. The, I have, I like to call this the Dark Knight Rises syndrome, where Uh-oh. the first time I see a movie, I'm, if it's a big movie like this, I'm infatuated with it. Like, there's, it could do no wrong in my eyes. It's almost like, you know, the honeymoon period. And then the second time, you go into it knowing what's coming. And so then you're like, huh, that's weird. Why would they hey, do that? If you that? tell me that this has issues as big as The Dark Knight Rises, don't tell me. I, I want to remain unaware of it. <laughs> well, okay. I don't think it has issues. I think this is leaps and bounds better than Dark Knight Rises. And there are, like, so there are certain things that it's like... I tried looking up to see like, if other people had some of the same thoughts that I did as far as like a couple questions. And I wouldn't necessarily, necessarily say they're complaints. It's more just like... If there's an explanation out there, just explain it to me, and it w- I'll be fine. I have one thing, so I'm interested to see if it's if it's one of yours. Okay, so I mean, so there's small things like, and these are things I don't care about. Like I can, this doesn't matter to me. But people online were complaining about how does Captain Marvel find Tony's ship? Who cares? Really, nobody cares. Uh, why wouldn't Nebula <laughs> yeah. die when 2014 Nebula was shot? Once hey, that's again, pretty well explained. That's pretty, yeah, yes. that's dumb. Um, there's a couple things that it's like aren't big deals to me, but it's kind of like, huh, that is interesting. The whole Ant-Man particle thing, like how is he able to shrink and grow when like pin particles, they couldn't find any type thing. That's kind of a weird one. Um, I, think, I think that it requires more to go to the quantum realm than to shrink and grow. Okay. And see, that's, that right was, there, that's explanation. what I I'm good with that, and I will call that, that good. That makes sense, right? <laughs> yeah. Works for me. There's jokier ones, like, okay, when people get snapped back, do they get snapped back to the exact place that they were before? Like, if you got snapped back and you were on a plane, but now the plane isn't in the air anymore, are you snapped back in the air 35,000 feet above the ground? See, I think this goes with 
the, the Infinity Stones are such that That'd be hilarious because I know we say like Bruce when he snaps <laughs> such his a fingers, sick thought, Jake. <laughs> I know, right? So so when Bruce snaps his fingers, he he later says like I really tried to bring Nat back. So I think the snapping of the fingers, like the the Infinity Stones, can control time. So I think that your consciousness of what your intent is can exist outside of time, and the Infinity Stones can know that your intent is not to put those people in a position in which they will die instantly. Okay. See, does that make another sense? explanation that I'm perfectly happy with? I can buy that, and that is no longer an issue for me. Not that it really was before. Because but- I would say theoretically, like as we see with Doctor Strange seeing 14 million scenarios in 10 seconds, yeah. theoretically your consciousness can enter a, a timeless state to organize yep. the universe as you wish it to be. I 100% agree. My one big issue, and this comes up several times in the movie, is how is it that all of these characters are able to hold Infinity Stones when Peter Quill, who is half celestial, could barely hold one and had to have like the combined strength of his whole Guardians team. But how is it that like Jeremy Renner can just hold one casually? Like it doesn't oh, just like oh, I have wait. Call me. Oh, oh Jake, Jake, do you want to go? Go, go. Yeah. Do it. So it seems like the stones have like a protective barrier around them until that barrier is broken you can hold it but you're not wielding the infinity stone either you're just holding the object in your hands once that protective barrier is broken and you hold on to like the core of it that's when you're wielding the infinity stone and also taking on the the power and damage that it can cause to you yeah i think it has yeah along those lines i think it has to do with intent Okay. Um, but also my, my explanation that I had was completely different. It was that one, I'm, I can explain away the Hawkeye thing because we've never encountered the soul stone before. We don't know what it does or what it holds. So are um, you looking at that as more of like, that's only an attribute of the power stone, right? Because the, we've the seen like the stone, cosmic cube held and that doesn't right. really do. Okay. Right. And the space stone. Yeah. It seems to be. Um, kind of iffy because it, it burns through things occasionally, but that's just when someone intends to use it poorly. I guess I don't, I don't know mm. about that. But but the other thing is is we see Hulk hold one, and if anyone can hold a power stone, it's going to be or a stone of any kind. It's going to be Hulk, in in his Hulk state. You know, like I don't. That's not weird. So, so do you guys not find it weird at all that the stones didn't do more damage to Tony at the end than they did? It's almost like they do more damage to Hulk. I can buy into it if it's like he, like his suit takes the brunt of it. Right. That's kind of where, that's what I was going to say. I think the suit um, is there for that because the Hulk just has the gauntlet on. Also, Tony died. So. Yes. I think. Right. Hulk. I mean, I would, I mean, I don't, I didn't clock them obviously, but it seems like. Hulk and Tony both dealt with this kind of initial burst of power and then it subsided and then Hulk was fine, but Tony wasn't. Okay. Yeah. And I say Hulk was fine in that he's previously been indestructible and was in a sling for a few days. So various degrees of fine. I should mention, and this is a joke that you two will get, but I may have to explain a girl (sighs) behind me went full Dobby at the end of the movie when Tony died. (laughs) That happened when I saw it opening night. I had somebody, I had somebody blowing their nose 
over a yeah. few few seats over. Okay, so Trevor, what was your big issue okay. then? My one issue is is once Nebula figures out what's going on, why does she try to contact people instead of just bailing? Uh, I don't think I think her GPS was messed up. I don't think she could get back. Okay, okay, but it was fixed at some point for the other Nebula to use it. I don't know, Trevor. I'm because, just trying to but, give but you I mean, because, but I mean, yeah, but I can get on board. With, I mean, Thanos and his his technological people obviously are pretty far ahead, even Tony Stark, or at least comparable to Tony Stark. So, so I can buy that. It just seems one of those things where, as soon as she I realizes what's going on, why doesn't she come back? Because they took her GPS thing off of her. Right. I, right. I mean, I mean, bef- right. I mean, before oh, she was captured, while she, she went, to the went back ship. to the ship. Yeah, yeah. I think she tried to. She tried she to jump to back. It didn't work, and then she tried to contact um, Hawkeye, uh, Hawkeye, and Black Widow because they were in the same timeline. Okay, they just to went to a different planet. About okay. Yes, I could. Okay, okay, I okay. Can see that. So this time around, when I don't remember who says it, is it Rhodey that says it? Where he's like. Why don't we just go back to when Thanos was a baby and, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Were you guys at any point in this time around like, that's kind of a sick thought, but like, why don't you go back to when he's at a certain more vulnerable point in his life? Like, he just graduated from college. Because that's not how it works. Okay, why is that not how it works? They had, well, because the past because has already Because Nebula happened. killed old Nebula and future Nebula doesn't die. So it's like that same thing of changing the past doesn't change the future. Oh, it's what, but, they, but they were right. able to do that with the stones because the stones ex- have power over time. Yeah, they exist outside so of time. But they, they had to put the stones back into their place in time for... The timelines to continue, yeah, not for the sake so of they stones, but for the sake of past. the people in those reality. Okay, so right. because they weren't yes. changing their past, they're more rewriting their future. It worked, right? Yes. Okay. okay. So this time around, it's always interesting to me with movies that are this length. The first time you see them, if they're really good, they pace out really well. That's the thing. Like a three-hour movie always has incredible pacing. Does this movie drag it all for you guys anytime on a second viewing? No. I mean, I knew exactly what was going to happen, but I still felt like it was incredibly written and paced and balanced, perfectly balanced as all things should be. Um, <laughs> I, I just can't believe how they were able to pull this off with as many characters and plot lines as they have. And it, it, it moves the entire time, even, even the small intimate moments. Like I wanted more of those. Um, I, I never felt bored or felt like, all right, let's move it along. I'm, I'm over it. Um, I, I just want more. The thing I want the most more of is the banner Hulk. It's, mm-hmm. he's just so great. The, when they have do the experiments with Ant Man, and he just goes time travel, like that is, <laughs> and and he, he says what? I see this as an absolute win. That I was I was like the only person in my theater last night laughing for some reason. I don't know why, but I think that's hilarious. This movie is really funny and really dark at the same time. The whole Hulk thing, while I love it, makes him less interesting to me as a character. Why? Because I think it's the opposite. So I think it makes him less interesting because you're less battling with the dichotomy between the two sides. And it's more just, it, 
instead of you know trying to figure out okay what is that and i don't feel like i feel like we've gotten glimpses like especially in thor ragnarok which really isn't his movie but we've gotten glimpses of the duality of that side and avengers age of ultron almost got there but i feel like this is just like a let's get the best of both i mean they say in the movie it's the best of both worlds but it doesn't it leaves him with like okay what's his weakness then my my one issue with with it, I, I I love how we got there, and I think it can you could do. I mean, I know we're not going to have him really moving forward, but I think that seeing a little bit more of how he got to this would have been interesting. I agree. I think it could have been good to maybe have a a quick flashback or something or an explanation of it. But the the entire film in the five years later, we see all of the characters in how they are dealing with their failure because that's what it was they failed black widow has put herself further into shield captain america is trying to get people to move on um but really can't himself tony stark did move on like each of these characters are dealing with their failures in different ways thor goes off the deep end um and for for bruce banner the way that he deals with his failure is like turning himself almost into a mascot of his failure to hopefully never fail again, like to be ready for the next, the right. next and time to not have to or choose, something like that comes. To not exactly. have to choose how to deal with something, but be able to deal with it every way. Yeah. But like by, by doing that, by doing that, like he's taking, if you think about it, like by being Hulk all the time, that's always letting people recognize you as the failure that let Thanos snap. Like mm-hmm. there, there's but, a weight to that choice as a character. Do you, which I think is a great choice for this movie, but I think that going forward, it makes him Superman. Mm. I think there's a bigger Superman problem with something like Captain Marvel than Hulk. I 100% agree with that. He seems that he's not quite as strong as he used to be, though. Yeah. Like, I I feel like a part of, like, him losing his rage. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so, Jake, I mean, you, you hit on the Captain Marvel point, and that's a very, the second time around, that's an even bigger hole in the movie. It's not necessarily, like, why isn't she there? Because they kind of explain that, but more of, like, Oh, they do have a too much power problem with her. Do you guys like, does that, what does that do for the movie for you guys? Does that make, is that an issue or is it just like, okay, let's try and forget about her for the next two hours until she pops back in. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's a problem. I think it's a, I think it's explained in a really logical way. Um, especially if you've seen Captain Marvel and you know who Carol Danvers is and, and the kind of person that she is. Um, but I also think that, um, I mean, it makes sense. She's a, she is an infinity stone. So, I mean, I, yeah, I, I technically just, Scarlet Witch is too. Right. And we see that Scarlet Witch is the, also the only other person who can go toe to toe with, with Thanos. He has to cheat to beat her. Yeah, and I feel like Scarlet Witch hasn't fully realized what she's right. capable she, of versus she had where him. Captain Marvel has. She had him on the ropes, and that's why he called in the airstrike. For me, I I just don't really like Captain Marvel as a character and like kind of the same way with Superman. Um but it's it's different. I Captain Marvel, the film Captain Marvel, like, yes, we get to we get to 
meet her and know her, but it just felt so forced compared to like the time we spent with all these other characters. And especially like it felt like with Captain Marvel coming right before Endgame and seeing her origin story that she was going to have like a much bigger role in this film, but she's just very like, Hey, I'm going to show up and then I'm going to go away for a long time and then I'm going to show up again and then I'm not really going to do anything. Yeah. Um, she, she doesn't even need to really be in this movie, honestly. Yeah, I would say that it's almost because one of the biggest issues is like, okay, why in the bat- last scene, if she's so powerful, why wouldn't she just put on the glove herself, snap, and everything's fine? Because Thanos slapped her away. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that was after she had flown with the glove for like a minute. Well, I think I, well, the initial plan was not to snap Thanos away. Right. The plan it was, was the time to, travel to get the stones yeah. back and then just beat Thanos. And regularly. Dr. Strange knows what's going to happen in the future. And if he tells him what's going to happen, it's not going to happen. So right. I think that's just kind of one of those things where you can't really overanalyze everything that happens. Like, why didn't this character do this? Because then there's just the Trump card of, if that happened, then it wouldn't have happened. <laughs> right. Which I'm totally all for, but there's definitely a logical misstep when you have a character character that powerful. Yeah. As far as what happens over the course of that. Like, if she's I powerful... I, I, have, I have more issues with, like, actual character choices like the way that the script is written to like tie up character arcs okay and like logical like does this make sense does that make sense because i feel like you can you can argue logic circles like constantly but i feel like character arcs are a a more interesting thing okay so which character arcs do you have issue with nebula specific like this is the only one really that i have an issue with like we randomly spend a lot of time with nebula in this film like she is key in this film and i would say that she's also probably the least popular guardian of the galaxy <laughs> um out of all of mantis the other ones like probably the mantis yeah i don't know man like mantis actually like tells jokes and has humor and personality nebula is just like thanos came and he killed everybody and blah, 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 blah. that's a pretty good nebula. um thank you well done so We spend a lot of time in this film being reminded of the journey that Nebula has gone on as a character. And then, like, we even see her kill her past self, fully choosing to abandon Thanos. And I feel like the, like, female superhero power rah-rah moment shouldn't have been captain marvel taking the glove from spider-man and him being like how are you gonna get there there's a lot of things going on um it should have been should have been nebula and then captain marvel goes to fight thanos to distract him to let nebula and gamora like fully turn on thanos and run away from him with the gauntlet um or like nebula goes to vormir and sacrifices herself for the for the soul stone i feel Something like that. Like her character didn't fully feel properly concluded for me. Or maybe even it's something like she's running towards the van and she can't make it. And she looks over and there's Iron Man uh, kind of in the distance. And he holds up his fingers and thumbs in the shape of a football field goal. Like calling back to the opening scene when they're on (laughs) the spaceship and playing paper football. And she throws it to him. Like stuff like that. Like there's just there were setups that could have been paid off better. And I think specifically with Nebula as a character, they dropped the ball a little bit. But we're going to get to see a lot more of her in future Guardians films, it seems like. So maybe they will maybe they will in the future. I, but 
I just feel like it could have been better. I think someone decided that she was going to be a key part of Guardians. That's, but so much of her yeah. storyline is why doesn't her, her relationship way. to Thanos that it it would have been. I, I agree with Jake. It would have been a nice wrap up to have some sort of moment like that here of like because yeah. ultimately she doesn't get any wrap up with Thanos. There, you're right. There should have yeah. been the 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 through line there being that the infinity war was Thanos and Gamora and this was Thanos and Nebula mm-hmm. and Gamora got her. I mean, we got a really final ending with her, although her prediction, I think that 2014 Gamora is going to make her way into guardians volume three somehow. Oh, you, um, you think, oh for sure. You think that's going to happen? I mean, I don't know if that's like <laughs> a crazy sure. idea or, um, I think that's a hundred percent a given. Right. But, um, but but yeah, I I do think I would have liked to have seen something more dealing directly with Thanos. I I agree with that, Jake. I mean, is there anything for you guys that you feel like it could have been tweaked a little bit better one way or another? That's really the only big thing for me that's like after thinking about it, man, they really kind of dropped the ball on that one thing. There's nothing like in oh, there's nothing that I can think of that's like I mean, I I feel like I I said my bit when I kind of ran through my gamut of questions, which you guys quickly answered. And now I'm like, eh, yeah, <laughs> still in. Yeah. See, and that was the thing was like all my little things I felt like were tic tacky. Like I was kind of getting yeah. a little bit. I, I, what, what you're saying, Jake makes me retroactively wish that Nebula was an even bigger storyline in guardians volume two, instead of lame Kurt Russell. <laughs> hmm. Is I think that that if if we make Nebula the A story instead of the B story in Guardians two, it makes everything else work better in Endgame. I agree. I, I yeah, I agree with that. And it would have um, made Guardians two better. I think. I also agree with that. Yeah. Um. I another thought I had was like, does the existence of time travel break the MCU? Like, anything is fair game now. I don't. I think it opens it up more than it breaks it here's the here's the other thing is time travel has always been in the mcu it just was carefully guarded how so like the the eye of agamotto with the time stone in it i mean we see dr strange uses time travel in a really weird way at the end of his movie creating a loop but um but but yeah uh, to your bigger point i i don't think it does um, it seems to be pretty complicated. Um, I don't think it's going to be easily accessible to everyone. Um, yeah, but I'll I've, be curious if it plays into because they're obviously going to make an Ant Man three, Ant Man and Wasp I do, what three I, or something. I'll be curious if it factors into that at all. One thing I do respect about Marvel a lot is like they they use their films to tackle like actual societal issues or also like issues with their universe. Like civil war is all about like do superheroes have the right to do this and does government surveillance like, is that, is that okay? And like, what are you, we willing to give up for safety and freedoms? And like, maybe there will be a villain that wields time travel and it like, this is, this is a powerful tool, but in the wrong hands and with great power comes great responsibility. Blah. Like, you know, stuff like that. I, I would say that, that it was sufficiently complex that it's going to be hard to use just as an, as an easy plot device in the future. 
That's true. Uh, because it, it took... is a very, very complex inverted something loop that Tony Stark created. Right, because you have to have the 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 Mobius the Mobius loop idea from Tony like yep. it's Tony Stark and Hank Pym coming together, which are you know the maybe the two smartest people in the universe theoretically. Um. Yeah. So, so I, I, I don't, I don't think it's a big deal, but I think it's there in such a way that it can be used effectively. The big question is like, what is the future of something like Disney and Hollywood after a film like this? I'm, I'm almost curious if this has the inverse effect of what we think it is going to have. I'm curious, like, because for so long it's been like everybody's been scrambling to set up their own cinematic universes. I mean, from everything, like, the more obvious choices of, like, DC's trying to set up a cinematic universe to, like, originally The Legend of King Arthur, the Charlie Hunnam Guy Ritchie film, was supposed to set up a King Arthur shared universe. Like, everything is a shared universe nowadays. Holmes and Watson tried to set up a cinematic universe. What? I don't even want you to explain to yeah. me how that's possible. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I'm almost curious if this goes the opposite direction and people are like, well, Marvel perfected it. I don't really know where to go from here. I, I agree. I think because people have been trying to, everyone started doing this after they saw how good Avengers was, I think. I think that was the real catalyst for everyone else to to move into gear but after seeing what this has become and what justice league was i think i think that <laughs> the the combo of this and justice league are gonna scare people away from doing it right. um i don't I know think that we anybody have the has the like longevity to try and do this sort of payoff right right we will we have the monster verse but i mean godzilla has always existed in a shared universe of with of serial movies with monsters that's not really a new thing for that character um because there are you know so many japanese godzilla films um but, but yeah i i'm with you cam i i think people are going to be too scared and most people don't have the disney kind of money to invest in something this long term even though it does pay off significantly. <laughs> yeah. And Disney has like, I would argue that Disney is a monopoly at this point because the other like quote big studios are only responsible for about 20% of the box office. Um, everything else is really either. Everything else is either like indie films like, uh, bought by like Amazon or Netflix and then has a studio run or something owned by Disney. Cause Disney owns everything at this point which isn't a good thing no and like also the box office is down almost 20 percent so far this year while this year brings us the culmination of two of the biggest cultural phenomenon being in game and star wars so like but, yeah. even though in game is throwing up crazy numbers i think the fact that streaming is so big now and like there's so much good content you can watch at home that like it really has to be a in-game level event to get people to the theater now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like think about us, we are insane people who commit basically to seeing a movie every week in theaters. And we are in week uh, 15 of this. No week, like 17 or 18 of 2019. And we've seen nine new films that came out this year. 
Um, yeah. And two of those were on streaming services. So we've, as people who have like committed our lives, a part of our lives to going to the movies <laughs> once a week, we've done it less than half the time that we could have because there wasn't something we wanted to see. Another yeah. worrying thing is like, we've really lost the mid budget film experience at the theater. Um, and the other thing is that like movie genres are like generationally cyclical. So in the fifties it was Westerns in like the eighties and seventies it was sci-fi. And then there was like the blockbuster generation, the drama and thriller generation, like the nineties rom-coms. And now it's like superhero CGI fests. And like the question is, are we nearing the end of the superhero genre cycle? And if so, like, how does the movie industry, which is now basically put all of its chips into that bucket, like how do we shift from that? This this is a super interesting discussion because I've been having these thoughts is about um kind of the the at least the Western, if not the global economy in general. I think that not just in movies, but in everything, the the death of the mid range is happening. Everything is either mm. complete broad scale or it's for a total niche market. And and it's happening in movies, it's happening in retail stores, it's happening um in all kinds of industries. And not to get like too uh, or economical or preachy or anything, but I think this is, you know, why they call this late capitalism. You know, we've been in this <laughs> this like full capitalist mode for a couple hundred years now, pretty much across the world. And we don't really know, we kind of forget that every economy is an experiment because no one really knows how it's going to turn out. So I think I think it's interesting that it does seem to mirror what's happening and, and kind of the, the death of the middle class too, as well as, I mean, within, within people and their wealth um, personally. Um, so I think it's an interesting thing. I don't have an a response to it or really a solution or anything, but but it does seem to be not something just in the movie industry. Yeah. And I think we also forget that like the movie industry is an industry, like it's a business based on art, but it's all about like returns and numbers. And that's why we're seeing just sequel after sequel and established property and cinematic universes. And, and it's, it's easier to spend $200 million on something that people already know versus putting 75 million of production into a like original IP and then having to spend an additional 20 million on marketing. And like, it might only make 35 million. And while it might be an incredible, incredible critically acclaimed film, it's not a good business decision. And when you have someone like Disney that owns up the entire industry, it all comes down to business decisions. I mean, they're going to make back what they spent on Marvel with just one movie in game and they've had 22 of them. So, I mean, Bob Iger is going to get a nice big old bonus this year. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, um, we're not, I, I think the days of the $250 million on John Carter are gone. That's, that's <laughs> never going to happen again. I mean, is that a bad thing though? Cause that movie was terrible. <laughs> oh, that movie's so I bad. think, I do think that the streaming services opens up the option for smaller, more intimate stories to be told. And maybe that's the area that we uh, start moving in is with streaming services and the option of being able to just dump something on there, for lack of a better term. I mean, I, th- I think that it opens up the option for new, new and unique storytelling 
that we wouldn't get normally on a big screen. Also, I mean, you were bringing up like earlier, hate watching something. Yeah. Like, people aren't going to spend $10 at the theater to do that when they can watch Holmes and Watson at their house for four bucks, you know? <laughs> right. Um, it's, it's something like, it, it just, it's not worth it anymore. And also, I think the other interesting thing is we talked about how this year is the culmination of, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and also the Star Wars, like Skywalker Saga. Well, this year's also the culmination of probably the third biggest cultural event that we've had in the last 30 years, Game of Thrones. Like the biggest episode of the biggest show on TV in the last 30 years had its, like it was the biggest episode was on there in the same weekend that Endgame came out. And like people that aren't going to see Endgame are just going to stay home and watch the battle for Winterfell, which hot take sucked. Um, <laughs> but like, it's just when you have stuff like that being made to be able to watch at home, um, it has to be like a huge event to get people to the theater. And I think Marvel's even realizing that too, like having Robert Downey Jr. In Spider-Man homecoming, like, that's obviously a way to help shepherd the character into the universe. But I think that's also a ploy of like this Tom Holland kid. People don't know him. People are sick of Spider-Man. Let's get Robert Downey Jr. in there, our moneymaker and, and make some money on this thing. Um, Cause he and, will easily get you the 30 million that you pay him for that role. Exactly. He's one of the safest investments in Hollywood right now. So I think, um, you know how much he made for Endgame? Have you guys, have you guys I know heard that about he this? took like, he took a box office percentage deal. I think for all the Avengers movies, uh, he didn't, he didn't for Endgame because what happened after the original Avengers was he took a deal from that and he ended up making 65 million from that. <laughs> so just for Endgame, this isn't for infinity war just for Endgame Cause he had to sign an additional cut movie for his contract. Cause it got split into two. He made $75 million. Good for him, man. I mean, that's, he he built this thing on his back, like him, Kevin Feige, and John Favreau, and uh, I mean, it's hard to say that someone deserves seventy five million dollars, but it was really good. I mean, <laughs> and John Favreau is great as Happy Hogan. He, oh, he's amazing. <laughs> do you do you think? Okay, we got we got to talk award season. Do you see any Oscars going to Endgame? It's the I think the the sounds our potential i think the the visual effects is potential i would still give robert downey jr a nomination i was gonna say do you think robert downey would be nominated i I don't think so i think people are too snooty still but i think he should be i think black panther opens up the gate more than people think it does the performance, like what's crazy is Robert Downey Jr. has, I think his performances have gotten better every time he's been on screen in the role of Tony Stark. Like he's never phoned it in. Yeah. So just to say this, the two highest grossing films of all time before this came out are both films that have been nominated for best picture. And so I almost think mm. that grossing this much kind of demands the necessity to be recognized in some form by the academy that would be interesting i I think that i think that you can even though he's only like 55 or whatever you should give kevin feige the lifetime achievement oscar (laughs) i agree with that too i don't think it deserves i don't think it's the best movie i've seen this year and i doubt that it will be the best movie that we see this year 
but some sort of recognition needs to happen for what it was able to do. All I'm saying is if, if Black Panther was nominated for Best Picture, this should be, because this is better than Black Panther. Black Panther is a good movie, but it is not that great of a movie. I, I, I told you guys take, when we did this... I'm just saying. I told you guys when we did this podcast, uh, on the, when we did our review on this the first time, the scene of Tony Stark in the wheelchair after he first comes back, for me, was so enough good. to be like, he deserves it a nomination just for that. Yeah, great performance. So if phases one through three are known as the Infinity Saga, what do you guys want to see the MCU do next? Do you guys have any ideas of like, I, I'm excited I have for? No clue. Complete, I have no clue. Completely. This, was, this would be completely off the wall and too big, but I, I really like the Avengers versus X-Men storyline. Um where Scarlet Witch basically says there are no more mutants by casting a spell, and it creates this big, huge problem with the Avengers and the X-Men. And that could be something we could see. Mm -hmm. That'd be interesting. Uh, Maybe Galactus or Silver Surfer or something like that. Uh uh A little more cosmic. I I have no clue. I I also, I also would be cool with the secret wars kind of, kind of bent because we, we got, um, the initiation into the scrolls with the captain Marvel movie. So that could be another interesting way to go too. You can also really easily retcon that and be like, Oh, that person was actually just a scroll. Um, yeah. So all I know is in Kevin Feige, we trust. (laughs) Yeah. Did either of you guys ratings change this time around? Uh, it's an A plus. Still a plus, a plus six out of six stones. Yeah. Yep, still six out of six. The one thing I do want to talk about that we haven't talked about specifically with this film is how great the costuming is. Everyone looks so cool and so good. Like I, the, I bet the, there's a costume nomination or like, production design nomination. Like every shot of someone with just their feet walking around, I'm like, those are cool boots. I've got to get those boots. <laughs> like, and like everyone just looks like perfectly in their character, but also so cool. That was just something that really struck me when I was able to kind of really take everything in. We have Cap wearing like three different suits in this, um, <laughs> which is really, which is really fun. Yeah, it's yeah, I yeah, that's one of the things I wrote in my notes was was production design, costuming, just it's just perfect. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get to our content of the week. Trevor, what is your content of the week? There's a new uh Vampire Weekend album that just came out and uh the yeah. first one in about 6 years. It's called Father of the Bride and it is very good. I did not like the first two Vampire Weekend albums very much. I liked the third one. And this new one is really good. It's got a few guest spots, including uh, Daniel Heim from Heim, who is who is great and one of my favorite bands. Um, but yeah, I'm really enjoying enjoying that as well. As far as other stuff, still playing catch up on the movies like I've been talking about. Um, so I have not been seeing much else except for prepping for our sequels that are coming out later this summer. I'm going to recommend uh, a podcast called Against the Rules. Um, if you're a fan of Malcolm Gladwell's revisionist history, uh, it's very similar to that. And it's also kind of a tie into our conversation earlier of... Um, is Disney a monopoly, kind of like late capitalism? 
like what's going to happen with the economy and, and basically it, it's analyzing the diminishing of the role of the referee in in sports in life in the economy and politics and it is really really interesting um if, if you find that kind of stuff interesting i think you're really going to like it it's called against the rules by michael lewis check it out yeah i should have recommended that i forgot i forgot i started listening to that also it's very good very good um i'm gonna recommend a foreign film called the wandering earth it was just put on netflix it is the second highest grossing movie of all time in china i believe Hmm. and uh it's one of the highest grossing movies this year so far i think it's made like 700 million dollars just in china alone and uh it's doing crazy numbers it's about this idea it's about this like in the future the sun starts dying and so people build engines on earth to send it into another solar system and uh pretty interesting idea pretty big budget film for china and pretty good just kind of sci-fi overall story so yeah i was reading about earth. that the other day I'm, I'm glad to hear hear a good review from it because I, I was intrigued by it that is all we have for this week's episode we'll be back next week with a new episode probably of detective pikachu i'm gonna guess uh, if, if you, <laughs> I think Jake's the one person that's excited about that. Pika Pika. It's, it's going to be a sleeper. It's going to be a sleeper, guys. I'm I'm hesitant, but uh, I'm ready to be proven wrong. We'll also Especially be watching Wine Country it. no matter what. So yeah, yeah. Uh, if you've enjoyed listening to us, please go to iTunes or Spotify. Subscribe, rate, review us, share us with your friends and family. If you want to know more about us, you can go to our website at Popcorn Optional. If you want to interact with us, the best place to do that would be on Twitter at PopcornOptional. My name is Cameron Slanina. You can find me on Twitter at 321CamiTime or on Letterboxd at CSlanina. Jake, where can we find you online? You can find me at JakeBrown.tv. That is both my website and my Instagram. Trevor. Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at TurboTrevor. In the words of Truman Burbank, if I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Bye.